I sobbed in the doctor's office. I really thought my life was over. Welcome to the Unconditionally Worthy Podcast. In this podcast, I will guide you on your journey to connect with the true source of your self-worth. Each week, we'll discuss barriers to unconditional self-worth, the connection between self-worth and relationships, self-worth practices you can apply to your life, and how to use self-worth as a foundation for living courageously. I'm your host, Dr. Adia Gooden, a licensed clinical psychologist, dance enthusiast, and a dark chocolate lover who believes deeply that you are worthy unconditionally. Hello and welcome to episode six of Unconditionally Worthy, the podcast. I am so grateful that you're tuning in and are listening today. I think this is going to be a powerful episode. And if I'm being really honest, it's also going to be a hard episode for me to record because I'm getting super vulnerable about something that I experienced that had me stuck in overwhelming shame for a long time. But I'm sharing it because my hope is that me sharing my story and talking about how self-forgiveness helped to move me out of the shame will help you to feel less alone and will help you to feel like there is a pathway out of any shame you might be experiencing. So I'm going to start with the story. I'm going to start with what happened. And I want to tell this story, even though it's hard even though I haven't shared it with many of my closest friends, I'm sharing this because I feel that when we share our honest stories of struggling with shame and embarrassment, we feel less alone. And we realize that these experiences don't make us less worthy. And so that's why I'm sharing this with you today. Okay, let's go. In the summer of 2009, At the young age of 24, I fell in love hard. You know that love where you feel high all the time and you're not grounded in reality? Yeah, it was like that. Looking back, I can see that what I was really experiencing was infatuation and that the relationship I had fell into the category of a summer fling. But at the time, my 24-year-old self thought it was forever. So I met this guy at a club in Chicago. I was out with my friends. He was out with his friends. And we had a night filled with dancing and not much talking. It was the perfect start to a lasting love story, right? Not so much. He was from Chicago, but lived in DC. And I had already been planning to go to DC that summer for a couple of weeks to spend time with my grandmother and with my friends who lived there. So it worked out perfectly. We met in Chicago. And then a few weeks later, I was in DC and we basically spent every day together. And it was a lot of fun. We hung out on our own. We hung out with each other's friends. We just had a really good time. We were young, it was the summer, and we enjoyed ourselves. So eventually I went back to Chicago because I had to get back to my life in Chicago. 
And, you know, long distance put a little bit of a strain on our relationship, but we kept it going and it was okay for the most part. And I then eventually, probably like a month later, went back to D.C. over Labor Day weekend for a visit. And when I went back to D.C., I could tell almost immediately that something was off. You know, when there's a shift in your relationship and what used to feel warm and connected and fun feels cold and disconnected? I couldn't put my finger on what had changed, but we definitely were not high on love like we had been over the summer. So day one was okay. I don't even know what we did. By day two, I felt really sick and I had no idea what was wrong. I I had never felt sick like that before, but I did not feel good. And I just sort of ignored it. I wish I had listened to my body and gotten some medical care, but I ignored it. I ignored my feelings that something was off in the relationship. I ignored the signs that my body was not okay. I ignored all of this and it had serious consequences. So at the end of the weekend, which was not a great trip, it wasn't a great visit. It was disconnected the whole time. I flew back to Chicago and I was not feeling good emotionally or physically. And then on top of that, I didn't hear from him for about a week. So that really set my relationship's anxiety over the edge, right? I, you know, already sort of had this worry that I was unlovable, which I talked about in episode two, but this not talking to him, not being able to reach him not knowing what was going on, knowing something was wrong, feeling like maybe it was my fault, not being sure. I was so anxious and worried. And I'm not the type of person who like calls and texts a million times to try to reach someone. I just sort of like sit by myself worrying and feeling anxious and thinking that every time my phone buzzes, it's that person and maybe it's that person. And right, like I was so anxious and upset. And eventually I got in contact with him. Eventually I did reach him and he had nothing to say. I was like, you know, what's been going on? I haven't heard from you for a week. Nothing to say. No explanation. Could not say, hey, here's, I've been struggling or I've been stressed or I'm not feeling the relationship. He couldn't say anything. And I said, which I'm actually very proud of my 24-year-old self for saying this, I said, you know, I can't be in a relationship with you like this, right? If you're not going to talk to me, if I'm not going to hear from you for a week, that's not going to work for me. And I, so I said, you know, either we have to figure out what's going on and we have to talk about it and fix it, or this is not going to work. And he decided he didn't want to talk about it or fix it. So that was it. The relationship was over and I was heartbroken. Eventually, I went to the doctor to get myself checked out, and I learned that I had herpes, that this guy who had just decided to end our relationship without any reason had given me herpes, genital herpes. (sighs) I fell apart. I sobbed in the doctor's office. 
I really thought my life was over. I thought I would never have a relationship again. I thought I'd never have children. I thought I had to give up on the life that I had hoped for. Thank God for my kind, empathic Black female doctor who supported me when I was falling apart in her examining room. I was broken. I was so upset. The breakup and the intense heartbreak I felt and the news that I had herpes triggered a depressive episode for me. I lost weight. I withdrew from friendships and relationships. I was drowning in shame. I can see now that my anger at this situation really should have been focused on my ex-boyfriend. And I was angry at him, but mostly I turned the anger on myself. I spent the next several months going over what I had done wrong. What had I missed? I had asked him if he had any STDs and he said no, but why hadn't I pressed for STD tests before we had sex without condoms? Why hadn't I picked up the fact that things felt off between us on that trip? Why hadn't I gone to the doctor immediately when I felt sick on the trip? Why hadn't I protected myself from this happening? Why was this happening to me? I had always feared that I was unlovable. And now I had the evidence that I believed proved that no one would love me. As I share this story with you, my heart hurts for my 24-year-old self. I was in so much pain and I felt so worthless. I wish I could go back and comfort her and reassure her that she was still worthy despite having an STD and that she would still find love and be able to have kids and have the life she dreamed of. I held these mistakes, these errors in my judgment for not keeping myself safe against myself for years. Every time I would start dating someone new, I would feel the shame rise up and think that if I had not made those mistakes when I was 24, I would not have to experience this shame now. And this is often how it works. We withhold forgiveness from ourselves because we are hoping that the past could be different, and that if we hadn't made the mistakes we made in the past, we wouldn't be experiencing the pain we are struggling with in the present. The irony of this is that we actually hold on to the pain of the past when we don't forgive ourselves. It's like we pack that pain in a backpack, put it on our backs, and carry it wherever we go. And this takes a toll. It's mentally and emotionally exhausting to carry all this pain and shame with us day in and day out. Once I was able to forgive myself, I was able to put down the backpack and leave it in the past. I was able to move forward freely and unburdened. So you may wonder what exactly self-forgiveness is and how to put it in practice. And so I'm going to tell you. I wish that I had had this instruction, this guidance so 
clearly when I was struggling with this shame. And it took me years to forgive myself. And I hope that by sharing these components of self-forgiveness, it will help you to get to healing more quickly than I was able to. So self-forgiveness involves a few components. Four, in the way that I conceptualize it. It involves accepting what happened in the past, acknowledging how what happened harmed you, identifying the wisdom you can draw from the experience, telling yourself you forgive yourself, and allowing yourself to move forward. So let me break that down. The first step is accepting what happened in the past. So often we withhold forgiveness from ourselves because we don't want to fully acknowledge and accept what happened in the past. I had to accept that I did get herpes and that I did make mistakes and did not protect my boundaries in order to be able to forgive myself. As long as I was wishing that it didn't happen and thinking over and over again about how stupid I was to let it happen, I was stuck and I couldn't move forward. As long as I was trying to rewrite the past and not accept the reality of what happened, I was bringing the past with me. So acceptance is a really challenging step and it's so important. The next step is to acknowledge the hurt you experienced because of what happened. So often we're focused on feeling angry at ourselves and others because of what has happened to us in the past and we fail to attend to our own emotional wounds. When we acknowledge the hurt we experience, we offer ourselves compassion for what we went through. I needed to let go of my self-criticism and really tune into the part of myself that was hurting and felt violated and unworthy. And I needed to comfort myself and engage in self-compassion so that I could heal and move forward. Then the third step, once we've attended to the emotional pain we've experienced as a result of the mistake, is to identify what we learned from the experience and the wisdom we gained from what we went through. For example, from this experience, I learned that I needed to be more protective of my body and my mental and emotional and physical safety, and that I needed to trust my intuition about when something was wrong, either in a relationship or with my body, and address that instead of ignoring it. And then the fourth piece is to actually forgive yourself and allow yourself to move forward. For me, this looked like saying to my younger self that I forgive her for not protecting herself and trusting herself. I look back and age 24 feels so young. I was two years out of college. Honestly, 24-year-olds' brains aren't fully developed. Their decision-making isn't fully developed. And so I I think about my 24-year-old self and and I tell her, I forgive you for not fully knowing how to protect yourself. I forgive you for feeling like you had to do things you didn't want to do, maybe, because you felt unworthy and unlovable and you were trying to prove all that. I 
forgive you, Aaliyah. And I'm grateful for the wisdom I gained from it, for learning to protect my boundaries, learning to talk about sex before having sex with a partner, learning that I need to prioritize my health and my safety. And then I allow myself to move forward. This is a process. These are practices that can be returned to as often as needed. You could use them as reflection exercises if you like to journal. You could just spend some time thinking about them. Self-forgiveness is a process that can be painful at times and, and difficult because we get connected to the pain we experience. We look at things instead of a lens of how can I fix or change the past? We look at it from a place of this is what happened. How can I accept it? And so I encourage you to take this process slowly, to be easy with yourself in the process. Healing takes time and it shouldn't be rushed. So practicing self-forgiveness helped me to connect deeply to my unconditional self-worth. Through self-forgiveness, I learned that even though I had contracted an STD and what happens to be the STD that everybody likes to make jokes about, even though I had gone deep into shame, I was still worthy. I was still worthy of forgiveness and I was still worthy of love and care. I had partners who've helped me along the way with this process. Every time I told someone I was dating that I had herpes and they didn't recoil in terror, I was able to forgive myself a little bit more. I was able to see that other people did not see me as an untouchable monster and that they could still love me. Sometimes it is when we experience the worst thing that we connect with our unshakable humanity that we know we are worthy even in our lowest moments. Forgiving myself was a doorway into my self-worth because it helped me realize that without the conditions of being perfect, I could still connect to my humanity and the fact that I was worthy of love and care. Forgiving myself is what helped me to understand the meaning of unconditional self-worth. And I want that for you too. I encourage you to put self-forgiveness into practice so that you too can experience the power of it for yourself. When you have some time, sit down and reflect on whether you are still holding on things from your past, whether there are things that you are holding against yourself and that are keeping you from feeling worthy. Often these things are from major mistakes or failures or traumas that we've experienced and they cause us to feel less than human. Once you've identified something you need to forgive, walk yourself through the four steps of accepting what happened, acknowledging your feelings, identifying the wisdom you gain from the experience and allowing yourself to move forward. Take as much time as you need with these practices and return to them as often as you need to. This healing process shouldn't be rushed. 
And please remember to be gentle with yourself. If forgiveness allowed me to move forward from having herpes, it can help you move forward from whatever you might be holding against yourself, from whatever shame you might be struggling with. My sincere hope is that this podcast episode gives you hope, that it helps you to know that you're not alone, and that it helps you to know that you too can be freed from whatever happened in your past and that self-forgiveness is the key. I believe you are worthy no matter what you have done, no matter what you have experienced. You are still worthy unconditionally. And I want you to join me in that belief about yourself. So thanks so much for listening this week. And stay tuned for the next episode, which is going to be about how tapping into our unconditional self-worth sets us up to live the life of our dreams. Thanks for joining me this week on the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. Make sure to visit my website, dradiagoodin.com, and subscribe to the show on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. Adia Gooden. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Lastly, if you found this episode helpful and know someone who might benefit from hearing it, please share it. Thanks for listening and see you next episode. This episode was produced by Chris and Tiana and the music is by Wadaboy.